is nothing more inspiring than a woman being unapologetically herself. The answers are all in your heart. She's waiting, she's waiting, she's waiting for you to set her free. Welcome to BU Podcast. I'm Jill Herman and I am so glad you're here. I was broke, insecure, and craved approval. But with grit, hustle, and sacrifice, I still built a successful multi-million dollar business. 10 years in, burnout, I slowed down and looked inward. In that silence, I discovered that the same level of success could have come to me with much less effort and so much more joy. That's when I threw out the expectations of the world and chose to unbecome every single thing I thought I was supposed to be. And the real me was uncaged. It was far from easy. And in this podcast, I'll offer my entire journey as a roadmap so that if you're ready, you can finally be you. Hello. Okay, so if you were hoping that this episode would be the result of me keeping my word, you're wrong. (laughs) I know I said last week, I promised that this week I would break down my solo travel, my Eat, Pray, Love version, my personal version of Eat, Pray, Love, where I went to Spain for six days alone, completely by myself, without my spouse, etc., And I realized, and I also hinted to me talking about my plant medicine journey, which was my very first experience, something I thought I would never do. I realized that I need to really process that more on my own and do some journaling, et cetera, before I share. So uh, this week, instead, we are talking about parenting. Now, I could, as I'm sure many of you could, talk about this for hours. I mean, I am not going to cover everything. I'm not even going to come close to covering everything that I would want to say to a young parent or someone who hasn't become a parent yet. And yet, I believe that the highlights that just came to me are things that most people are not saying. So there are so many, I'm sure, great parenting books out there. Someone I highly recommend finding if you haven't yet is Dr. Shefali, S-H-E-F like Frank, A-L-I, Dr. Shefali. And she talks so much about conscious parenting and our kids not really being our own and just remembering that the goal is not to have them be little minis of us, even though that's what we're taught and that's what feels comfortable and safe. Amazing expert. Certainly not an expert. Yet, I do have a leg up on some of you. I mean, I have not just been reparenting myself for the past few years, but I have parented and now raised five kids. So three of them biological, two of them not, but two of them for 10 years now, and three of them their entire lives from age 24 down to 18. So all five kids are legal adults. And it's interesting because the other day my husband and I were talking and I was saying, you know, there are so many people out there giving advice about parenting and they've got like five-year-olds. Like you can only teach what you've done. And so they might have great advice for moms of kids below five, but it really doesn't apply to all of parenting. So I'm going to share with you a few things that it's kind of like things I wish I would have known when my kids were little and also what I know now for sure now that I've raised five kids. And Again, another disclaimer, this is my ego jumping in. I could give a hundred other things on here. 
but I just sat here and I did not prepare anything because you know that's how I like to podcast, but I did go to the notes section on my phone, take a deep breath and just see what came through. And so I'm going to read them off to you and then I'm going to expand on uh, some more than others, okay? All right, now the first thing I wanna say is really that's what this entire podcast is based on, right? Is doing the inner work and finding a way to find out who we really are, like excavating the real us, not not the us that was or is a, a mishmash, a compilation, a mixed bag of like protective patterns and stories and unresolved trauma and ways of hiding, et cetera, because that's really what our personality is. You know, sifting through that and digging and excavating the real you, the one, you know, the, the you that is not the stories, you know, the you that that existed before you said to yourself, well, I can't do that or I won't because I won't get love. Or if I act this way, they'll see me. If I act this way, I won't get hurt, et cetera. And so this whole podcast, as you know, is about like bringing experts on to help us do that and me talking about my story of that. Like, what does that even mean? How do you do that? And what does it mean? And once we figure out, oh, this is who I am. I guess I don't like this. I like that. Honestly, that's never been my opinion. This is my opinion. And finding who that is and then proudly walking into the world as that person without apology, without defending, justifying, or explaining ourselves to anyone, truly being you. So that is the biggest gift you can give your kids. Like we could just like say, mic drop, done, episode is over. The biggest gift I believe you and I can give our children and their children and their children's children is for you and I to be the one who breaks the pattern, the generational pattern, some people call them generational curses, and really just stop and become the record scratch and say, hold on a minute, what if everything I was told isn't true? What if it could be different? What if my life doesn't have to go this way? What if I don't have to live the way I thought I had to live based on how I was raised? What if what I was taught by my parents isn't what I believe or it isn't even true? What if the way it's always gone in my family isn't the way I really truly want it to go? What if things could be different? You know, being the record scratch and saying, you know what, I'm going to really, really look at why do I react this way? Why do I respond this way? Why do I get triggered by this? Why have I always believed this about money? Why have I always believed that about sex, et cetera, et cetera? So that is the biggest gift. This whole episode could just be me saying that. And for some of you, you're like, well, yeah, duh. But many people are like, oh, really? And then they don't do it. Why? Because it's scary. It's not just uncomfortable. It's freaking scary. We are constantly trying to stay safe, right? Remember that? Your brain is trying to keep you safe all the time. And what is safe? Safe is what is familiar. So you have to get extremely uncomfortable and your body, your nervous system, your brain will say, not safe, not safe, don't do it, don't do it. So that's why we don't do it. Most of us. But this work of excavating the real us and doing what I just described earlier is the biggest gift and the it's like the most badass thing you could do as a parent. Who cares how much you've messed up? Who cares how much you've yelled at them? Who cares how much money you make? Who cares how much debt you have? Who cares about the past? And also, 
Who cares if there's nothing you really regret and you have the picture perfect life and the picture perfect family and the white picket fence, et cetera, et cetera. And Johnny and Sally are doing great and they're going to college and blah, blah, blah. Who really cares? If you haven't really looked at yourself and you haven't really, really dug to find the real you and you can't say yes to what I just described earlier about that whole journey, the inner journey, if you can't say that you've walked that path, everything else is, I mean, it's fine. But there's no way that that's really what life is about. Everything looks great from the outside, but yet you have all of this like subconscious stuff or beneath the surface stuff that is kind of like seeping into your family and the way you live, even if it's just perfectionism, even if it's just overachieving, even if it's just like, you know, things that are look very innocent, like expecting your kids to get all A's. Is that horrible? No. But even if that's the only thing you can actually recognize that maybe could possibly deserve exploring, it's worth it. So here are a few things that I listed as I was thinking about what I've learned raising kids and maybe what I wish I had known then. The first, along the lines of what I just said, is that trauma shows up as a reaction, not as a memory. Trauma will show up in your present day as a reaction, not as a memory. So those of you who say, I don't have any trauma, I don't have any trauma, I had a great childhood, I'm fine, or I went to therapy, everything's good, but yet you're reacting and snapping at people or have anxiety, you're on anti-anxiety meds, or you have panic attacks, or you feel competitive with other women or whatever. There is something there. It's not going to be something you remember, but it's coming out and sort of leaking out as a reaction. So trauma shows up as a reaction, not as a memory. That's one thing that I wish I had known. And that's one thing I've learned after raising five kids. I didn't learn that from raising five kids. I learned that in other ways, but I wish I had known that. Number two, and we've talked about this several times, but I'm going to say it anyway. I wish I had known, and I know now for sure, that my kids were never my own. They were never my own. They belong to my creator. Insert the word that you want to insert. God, the universe, Mother Earth. My kids belong to God. They do not belong to me and they never did. They came through me, but they are not me and they're not my possessions. That's a statement that made me really uncomfortable The first time I heard it was when my pediatrician was carrying my daughter, I think I've told this story before, over to a bed to be admitted in the hospital. Because even though I was a critical care nurse, I did not catch her dehydration fast enough. And when I took her in there, I mean, she was dehydrated enough, she needed fluids. And he put her in his arms and physically walked her out of the doctor's office across the sky bridge to the hospital, to the pediatric unit. And as we were walking, he looked at me and he said, our children are God's children. They're not our own. Jill, you did the best you could with the resources that you had. And this happened the way it was meant to happen. You need to let yourself off the hook. She's, she's going to be fine. And it's all, it's all God's destiny and path for her anyway. So our children are not our own. And that also takes us off the hook, doesn't it? It's scary to fully surrender them. Like, they're yours, God. They're not mine. I fully surrender them and their path and their life to you. It's 
side note, they were already gods anyway, right? But us surrendering them and just saying, I am here to hold space. I'm here to guide as much as I can. I'm here to love. And I'm here to do some of the things you'll hear me list in a minute. And I also don't have control over their path in this life. I just don't. And if you don't believe that's true, talk to some parents who have raised their children in ways that you would say that's exceptional. And they still have a kid that is addicted to drugs. They still have a kid that you know, makes a horrible decision or does whatever or behaves a certain way or makes a life choice that blows everyone's minds. Or you've got people who were not present at all and and they would be in your eyes, maybe or my eyes, not good parents. And their kid turns out unbelievably well. Look at me and my brothers. Like I, I love my parents, but I cannot believe how we turned out considering our childhood. It's remarkable to me. Like, how do we have the lives that we have based on how we were raised? Well, I believe because a lot of it had nothing to do with our parents. And a lot of what will happen with your children has nothing to do with you. I remember standing in the swimming pool um, about a month ago talking to a younger father. And I also was talking to another young father um, at an event with my husband. And I remember feeling called to say things, you know, this is when you start, some people use the word channeling or, you know, God is speaking through you or using you uh, to speak a message. And I knew that as I was talking, it was not me talking. And I was just saying some of what I'm going to say to you here. Stop being so hard on yourself. Please tell your wife. Most parents are thinking that they're getting it wrong or they're comparing their kids or themselves as a parent to your kids or to you. So many people, as you're looking out into the parenting world, whether it's at your kid's school or whatever, you may not be thinking this consciously. It may be a subconscious thing. Some of you are very consciously thinking this. Some of you, it's like a little bit, but you're further along in your, in your journey. You're not, you don't feel as insecure as a parent. I'm talking to the ones that are the way I was that you're smiling and waving and smiling and waving, but deep down you're like, am I fucking this up? I'm never getting it right. I'm never doing enough. Look at my kid. Look the way they're behaving. You know, that's a reflection of me. It's my fault. It's proof that maybe I shouldn't even be doing this. And everybody else is doing better than me. If you're someone who has had that thought even one time, let me speak some life into you. First of all, go back to what we said earlier. The way your children show up in this life is not a reflection of you or your parenting. We get very confused because we're like, oh, Sally got straight A's. Oh my gosh, you know, Johnny's on the honor roll. We put it all over social media. Now there's nothing wrong with celebrating our kids, right? That's great. But we celebrate that whether we admit it or not, we think it makes us look good as a parent. It is not just because we're happy for our kid. Give me a break. Our kid doesn't give a shit if we put it on social media. We are doing that because we think that it reflects well on us. But the problem is taking credit for their achievements and for the way they behave. The other side of that coin is that means it's our fault when they behave differently or when they don't achieve. And many of us take that on, which is what I did. See, there's the evidence. I'm not doing a good job. But the truth is it has very little to do with us. Very little. 
So just remember that most of the parents out there are actually as insecure as you and they're thinking the same damn thing. They just won't tell you. They're acting like everything's great. They're acting like they have it all together, but they're honestly deep down thinking, oh my God, I'm, I'm not doing a good job or I'm not doing it well enough, et cetera. Something else I wish I would have known that I know for sure now after watching five kids go from, you know, infancy through year 18 is they all learn differently. Oh yeah, I know, I know, I know. It's not, it's not anything new, Jill. But how do you, like, do you know it in your head or do you have a deep embodiment and knowing of it like in you? Because really having that embodied changes the way you parent. They all learn differently. I heard the most amazing statement the other day, and it was, if your child is getting a C in math, but they are excelling in tennis, go hire a tennis coach, not a math tutor. Whoa, we always hire the math tutor, don't we? Meet them where they are. Find out what lights them up and understand that Every one of them has different gifts and talents and different brains and different chemistry and different makeup and different interpretation of life and different trauma and different stories. And by the way, they all have a different you. No, they don't. I've raised my kids the same. No, you haven't. You're a different mother, or if you're a father, a different father to every one of your children. And I'll tell you why. You're a different person at this point in your life than you are at this point in your life. And you're a different person at point, let's, let's say points A, B, and C. Okay. Three kids. You're not just at a different point in your life. Like, like chronologically, like you have age, you have grown, you've gained wisdom. You've learned things about yourself, about life, about the world, et cetera. You've probably changed a little bit. You've probably changed your opinion on things or the way you look at things. You're also, when you get to kid B or kid number two, you've already had a kid. So you are, I started to say tainted or jaded, jaded, <laughs> you're not, but, but you're just different. You're different with kid number two than you were with kid number one. They don't have the same set of parents. In the past, I used to say things like, isn't it crazy? Same gene pool, same house. We raised all three kids the exact same. How are they so different? We didn't raise them all the same. We raised them differently because we also... Time just hasn't passed and we haven't just grown. The other thing is that we are responding and reacting to that child differently than we respond and react to the other child. And there's nothing wrong with it, but it just is. They trigger certain things, good things, and maybe not so good things in us because they were meant to teach us something different. And that goes to another one of my points here, understanding that Children are not just not ours. They are not just our teachers. They are our greatest teachers. We're the students. You will teach them things, but they will teach you things. A big ass difference. You'll teach them some stuff, but they will teach you. They will school you. They will educate you. They will crack you open like nothing else if you let them, if you're willing to admit it. You will see your own stuff through how you raise that child. 
They will speak wisdom and life and truth into you. Not whether you listen or not. They will do it. The question is, are you listening? When they're angry, when they are frustrated, and sometimes when they're very calm, they will say things to you that you need to hear. They are your medicine. They are your medicine. I wish I had listened. But back to the point of them learning differently. Don't compare them. Don't compare them to you. Don't compare them to other children. Don't compare them to standardized tests. Let them be themselves. If the whole journey in this life is to finally figure out that everything is just love and love is all there is, how does it work when we're looking at parenting our kids? If that's true, then why are we trying to mold them into something that they're not? You know, there's that saying, I don't know if it was Einstein or whoever said it, that I'm going to get it wrong. But the point is something like you try to get a fish to climb a tree and you say it's dumb. Put it in water. And then you have a genius, right? Our children want connection. They want permission to be themselves. They don't want to be edited. They don't want to be corrected. They don't want to be changed. They want your presence, even if you don't have much time and you are working three jobs. When you have time with them, get off your damn phone. I'm not judging you. I just feel called to say that. Get off your phone. I was on my phone and justified it because I was working. And it's one thing that my children all will say to you, that for years I was married to my phone. I missed out on so much. I missed out on so much. So much love, so much presence, so many good special moments because I was staring at that damn screen or obsessed with with working, et cetera, with no boundaries. So they want connection. They want permission to be themselves. They want presence. They want to be seen, heard, witnessed, celebrated, appreciated. They want to be validated. Not for their achievements, not for how they look, for whatever is unique about them, for whoever they are. They want you to look into their eyes and say, I am so much better off because I have you. My world is so much better because I have you. Thank you for being in my life. I love you so much. I can't imagine my life without you. You just make everything better just because you're you. I wish I had said that to my kids. You can't truly love your kids if you don't know how to love yourself. The best thing you can do for them is to learn how to love all parts of you, your shadow and your light. Not make excuses for what we might call bad behavior, but not shaming yourself for the bad behavior. You can only really see them as presently and as deeply as you can see yourself. You can only love all of them if you can love all of yourself. You can only focus on their gifts instead of their mistakes if you can do that for yourself. If you're constantly judging yourself and critiquing yourself and shaming yourself and correcting yourself and trying to be perfect, there's no way that's not going to come through in your parenting. You may not say it, but they will feel it. Mine did. You can't fake this stuff. They are so wise. They know so much more than we realize. They see, but they, more importantly, feel 
much more than we realize. They learn by our actions, not by our words. Oh, that hurts. Shit. They learn by our actions, not by our words. Doesn't matter. They're watching you. They're feeling your energy and they're watching what you're doing, not what you're saying. Are you telling them to be kind to people while you gossip on the phone with your friend about another friend? Are you telling them to love themselves while you say that you're fat and look in the mirror and roll your eyes and critique yourself? Okay, along the lines of another one is don't focus on what they do, focus on who they be. Obviously, we're going to acknowledge things that they do. Great job, proud of you, that's awesome. But if we don't focus on who they are, just them by themselves without any achievement, nothing. If we don't love that and make them know that we love that, they will think that they have to perform to get our love. The better my grades are, the cleaner my room is, the more polite I am out in public, the more my mom and dad will love me. Now it'll look good. You'll look like a great parent. You'll pat yourself on the back. But at the end of the day, your child is going to have to work through that crap when they're an adult. You may be able to brag that they got into a great college and they had straight A's, but if they're doing that from deep-seated insecurity, trying to prove that they're worthy, do you really want that for them? So yeah, give them a high five for working really hard in school or getting a great grade. Yes. And make sure they don't think that that's really what matters. I wish I had said to my kids, I don't know. What do you think? I wish I'd listened more than I talked. I wish I would have laughed and danced with them and tickled them and been silly and funny and relaxed. I wish I would have been the mom in the pool the whole time with them instead of worrying about how I looked in a bathing suit. I wish I would have taught them to trust their own instincts and their own intuition. How do you feel about that? What do you think? I was constantly teaching them and correcting them and trying to be, really trying my best, obviously, right? But trying to be a good mom by always teaching them, telling them what was best, never asking them at the dinner table, I don't know, does your tummy feel full? I would look at the plate and decide if they had eaten enough as if I knew more than they did about their appetite. This is repeating something I already said, but this one says, kids who obey and are compliant are not better kids, and it doesn't make you a better parent. Many times they are abandoning themselves, abandoning themselves, and not following their own gut and their intuition. And they're muting themselves and smiling and being the good girl or the good boy because they want you to be happy. What they really want to do is say, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that. Why do you always say that? But they don't. And then we say, oh, they're so easy, such an easy kid. And then we wonder why they have anxiety when they are 16 years old. This is an obvious one, but I got to say it. Phones, social media, television, all technology is not bad. Yet, I regret so much not having more parameters and been more conscious about that when my kids were in middle school and high school. When they were tiny, oh. Yeah, hardly watched any TV at all. But then I gave in and I really, really, really recommend if you haven't had kids yet or if you have young kids to consider 
the damage that social media and kids having access to cell phones at a young age, what it really does to them. I'm Listen, it's not an easy subject. I can't imagine how hard it would be to have a kid, you know, right now, again, my youngest is almost 19. So having a kid that's like 10 years old, I wouldn't want to walk that again, going down that road of when do they get a phone? When do they not get a phone? Do they want to, do we want them to be the only kid at school that doesn't have one? I get it. I'm just saying this because I feel that I'm, I'm, I really owe you to say the truth, which is it does a lot of damage. All of that does damage. And I wish I'd had more control over that. Some of these are repeating because I was just speaking from my heart and not even looking at the list. But the last thing is something I've already said. I'm, I'm going to end with it again anyway. I'm going to say it again anyway. They are wiser than you think. Start asking them questions. Ask them to teach you some things. They will tell you a lot more than you think they'll tell you if you just listen. Don't be afraid of the teenage years. Don't believe all the stories. Also, don't be naive. Very, very, very sad to say this, but all of our children and their friends. So, I mean, it's a lot of kids and the kids we used to meet, we used to know through uh, one of our businesses. We had a lot of young people that worked there. Conversations that we've had with dozens of kids that were in high school. And I will tell you that we're in the year of 2023. It's probably going to be worse in 2024. But all of these kids blew my mind when they told me that in the United States, at least, where we live, okay? So I would venture to guess that this is happening everywhere in the United States, but we live in the Midwest in a really conservative area that they told me that the majority of people that they know in middle school are vaping nicotine, completely addicted to nicotine. They use those carts, they call them, with THC, which is marijuana, and that, I mean, kids are just drinking and using drugs at a much younger age, and then it's just sort of like normal for kids, especially to be using, I keep saying vapes, but there's another word for it. My kids would be laughing at me right now. I can't remember the word, but whatever the thing is that looks like a little cartridge, right, with nicotine in it, that it's very common for kids in middle school to be doing this. And parents are so naive. They're like, oh, my kid doesn't do that. You know, they're an athlete. I've seen them. I've seen them at my house, kids that are like, you know, girls that are athletic, adorable. Yeah. And they're basically smoking two or three packs of cigarettes a day, the equivalent of that using those vapes. So just don't be naive about that. And don't think that because you don't see it, your kid isn't doing it. One thing I learned the hard way, which is really, really hard, really hard, is I remember a therapist saying this to me and then it proved to be true. He said, if this is what you do know, just imagine what you don't know. And I was like, oh, it's horrible. I don't want to think that. That's awful. And it was true, right? And I know that can be scary. If you've got a two-year-old, you might be going, okay, Jill, thanks a lot. You scared the shit out of me. Parenting is amazing. It's the most amazing, wonderful experience. And I love it. And I would do it all over again. And I'm just, I love having kids. But this is this and this is a real thing to just, you know, you don't want to be the dogmatic, super controlling, authoritarian parent. Don't do it. I did it and it backfired big time. And I'm not just saying it because I had a bad experience. I'm saying I've, I've learned that what that really does to kids. To, have, to not 
really have trust in them and and give them space and give them room to be and to to be free and to make some mistakes with healthy loving boundaries obviously but when it comes to like the smoking and all that stuff you don't want to be the dictator but you also don't want to be like completely naive and my kid goes to church and they're in youth group and they play soccer and blah blah it doesn't matter <laughs> it's not like the bad kids are doing this all the kids most of the kids are doing this and i'll tell you what a lot of the kids that are the overachievers they're the good girls and the good boys many of them are the ones that are doing it more because they're it's a coping strategy to cope with the anxiety of them worrying that they're going to fuck up and not be a good kid for you so they medicate themselves I mean, we could talk for two other hours about that, but I learned so much. So I told you I had five kids, three biological, two amazing kids that I got to co-parent and raise with my husband and their mom. And you guys, the ones that you think won't will, the ones that you think will won't, the ones that you think are doing nothing. I mean, you'd be shocked. I, I, I was shocked. The things that I, the things that I learned, like kids... They're friends that were shoplifting. One of our kids, I mean, like amazing student, National Honor Society, like so organized, it's ridiculous, so responsible, it's ridiculous. And, you know, she laughed later when she got older. She's like, do you know that when we were going down to Florida for spring break and I was 16 years old, I had bottles of alcohol clanking in my Vera Bradley bag in the back of the car. We're like, you, you, what? We've had a hilarious time with our adult kids telling stories where they've had like confessionals and we say, look, you can't get in trouble. Tell us everything. And we were shocked. And of course, the other kid that's like known to be the one that got in trouble was like, see, I tried to tell you it was not, wasn't just me. We didn't believe it. So the things that I've learned now that my kids are older has blown my mind. So you just never know who's doing what. Don't make any assumptions whatsoever. We had a kid that was like the perfect kid. I mean, I'm telling you, on paper, perfect kid. She told us later that she had a burner phone in high school, a burner phone. <laughs> she, There was a certain house that we did not want her going to. She wanted to go there. That's where all the kids got to drink and party and hang out. Where I live, it was this very wealthy doctor. He was a cardiovascular surgeon. And he was a total jerk. I, I knew him from the hospital. But anyway, it was known that he and his wife would let all the kids from high school hang out over there and drink and party and spend the night there. And we were like, yeah, you're not hanging out there. Not happening. Well, she wanted to go there. She told us later that she had gotten a new phone. She kept the old one and she kept it as a burner phone. And so that she would use that one, but use her new phone for her location. So she would put the phone in the mailbox of the house where we thought she was. And then she'd take the burner phone and go to the party <laughs> every weekend. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but not funny. Just remember that you never know, but they're your biggest teachers. They're your biggest gift. They want you to celebrate who they are and not try to mold them into what you think they should be or what you wish you would have been. Let's say that one again. They deserve and want for you to let them be who they want to be, not who you wish you would have been or who you were and your parents were because that feels safe. 
All right. So I hope this was helpful to you. Please share this with everyone who wants to be a parent and everyone who has little ones or kids that aren't yet in high school or actually even kids in high school. I'm always excited to hear feedback from you. By the way, by the way, I had a couple of friends that listened to the show say, I've messaged you and, and you don't message me back. Okay. The text communication tool I was using, I had hundreds of you in a text community. And the reason you don't hear from me anymore is that I'm going to call them out by name, Community, the app called Community. They tried to nickel and dime me and get me to spend a ton of money because my credit card was declined because I had fraud. I had a new card. I didn't update it. And they messaged me several times that I didn't see it. And then when I went to make a message to you, it didn't work. And I contacted them and they said, oh, well, we canceled your subscription. I said, don't worry about it. Just renew it. And they wanted me to get on the phone with Jody and get on the phone with John. I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Just renew my thing, please. And they were trying to sell me all these other tools. I'm like, I don't want to do any of that. I just want to do what I did before. And the amount of money they wanted me to spend was ridiculous. So if you know of, of a better app for that so that I can text you and you can text me, please message me on Instagram and let me know and I'll do it. But that's why you haven't heard from me. So anyway, next week, what do we have next week? I think we have Alexi Panos next week. Great episodes coming up. I have two episodes I promised you. One is my chicken episode about chicken palooza. Oh my gosh. And then two is um, me talking about my solo trip and my plant medicine experience. So those will be coming up as well. All right. Thank you so much for your time. So appreciate you. And remember to breathe. (sighs) Love the hell out of yourself and fully surrender, especially when it comes to parenting.